Hey guys, welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at itschessinho. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know it looks a little bit different around here, but as I told you guys last um, on the last stream, I'm going to be changing some things around, trying to find some better backdrops, trying to make the content better for you guys. So don't mind my hair and all that kind of stuff. Like I've been running around all day, but nevertheless, I hope you guys like the intro and all that kind of stuff. Let me know in the comment section what you think. And um you're probably wondering where's Elliot. Elliot's going to be here in 10 to 15 minutes. So we're going to go ahead and start without him. But if you guys can get in the chat box and let me know how you're feeling. Did you guys watch the game uh, Turkey versus Wales? Wales obviously going through and Turkey looking like they're going out of the tournament. Very interesting because a lot of people said that Turkey was a dark horse or a team that was going to do well in this tournament. And it looks like they are not doing too great. Um it's interesting. Everybody's saying it was a really good game. What did you guys think about Aaron Ramsey? He scored a goal. How do you think he played? And and all those types of things. Um, I actually didn't get a chance to watch the entire game, but um, so you guys can can fill me in on that. But for this stream, what I'd like to do is talk a little bit in depth about James Madison and how he's come to the forefront of of kind of like our transfer list as a main target. What he could add to the squad, does he comp well with Odegaard? Um, does the deal make sense? All those types of things. And we'll also talk about, um, what else? We're going to also talk about Ben White. We had a $40 million bid rejected, apparently, for him. So we'll talk about what he could bring to the squad, what the future of Saliba looks like, things like that. And we'll also look at the fixtures for next season and kind of do a little bit of predictions, talk about how the fixtures line up with AFCON, the end of the season, some of our rival games and all that type of stuff. So we'll definitely we'll definitely get through all of that. But I just want to thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, you know, liking, sharing, subscribing. That's been awesome. So thank you guys so much for 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 tuning in. And um, we will talk about Lakanga. I want to talk about him separately because that deal feels like it's getting done. So I want to talk about him a little bit more separate and give him his own special stream. So I'll probably do that either later on today or early tomorrow. Let's see. G is saying, hope you're having a nice day. I am. 
Um, I have nothing to complain about. Stuart says, hi, Jess. Hi, Stuart. Starboy says it was a great game. G. Koski says Turkey versus Wells was a very good game. Was it was it the best game so far of, of the tournament? AK Gunner says, let's go. I have I have ranting to do, not happy with our targets from reliable sources. We'll get into that. Um, G. Kasi says Ramsey's movement is incredible. Bail behind everything. How many number tar uh, number one targets do we have? Well, I think we had ideas of what our targets were, and now our targets are so much more clear than they were just a couple days ago. So we'll talk about that, obviously, with Elliot, too. Um, yes, Shikasi, um, there there have been reports that a $40 million bid has been rejected from, um, from us to Brighton for $40 million. So we'll talk about that. Robert says, I just wonder what was actually really – what was actually last really good signing Arsenal did. My head is fuzzy today. Um, I don't know. You know, it just seems like so many bad signings mixed in with maybe some decent ones. But I would say Tierney is a good signing. Gabrielle is a good signing. You know, so those are the two that I can really think of as of recent. Um, Van Auger says, good afternoon, Jess. Good afternoon to you as well. Um, yeah. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and get started with with everything. So let me get my notes. So James Madison, again, has has arisen as a as a main target for Arsenal. And um, we have said to be in contact with with him for the last couple of months. We did kind of hear before that James Madison was a target of, of Arteta's last season. So this is not really new. And I think it was AFC Bell that broke the news, you know, AFC Bell, the account that broke the Thomas Party news and kind of led us through that transfer from beginning to end. And basically this is coming from Chris Wheatley. He says that he's told that Mikel Arteta is a huge fan of Madison and he's recently a target, but the fee will be an issue. Chelsea also want him if they lose Ziyech. You know, so he's he's not just the a target for us. He's a target for for Chelsea, but not really is more as a replacement. Where for us, it would be like more of a main target. And we kind of talked about in the last couple of days. I talked about it with George. We talked about it with Harry. How the targets for the the creative midfield position never really made sense because they didn't comp with Odegaard. And we had kind of heard that Odegaard was the number one target. That's who we were looking for. And if we were looking at DePaul, if we're looking at Buendia, those players don't comp at all with Odegaard. They're not similar. They don't really play the game similar. But for me, this is a lot more in line with the Odegaard type 10 that maybe the team is looking for or the club is looking for. So it makes a little bit more sense to me, right? So let me show you guys this. So this is the comps for... Um, comparison of Madison versus Odegaard, which I think is pretty interesting because I wanted to see if they actually were similar and they they really are. So if you just look and I actually compared them from 2019-2020 season because they both played 31 games in that season. Um, Madison has been in and out and Odegaard's season has been a little bit um, like rocky because he wasn't playing at Real Madrid. So I wanted to get good numbers. So they played about the same amount of minutes. Um, goals scored for James Madison was six last season. Martin Odegaard scored four. And Odegaard had six assists last season. And James Madison had three. You know, so 
James Madison scores more goals. Martin Odegaard gets more assists. Either way, they're both pretty high production like players. Um, and then when I went down to goal and shot creation, I mean, they're pretty similar. 76, 75 for um, completed live ball passes. Um, they're, they're very similar. You guys like, I don't want to spend too much time on the, on these comparisons, but I mean, the numbers, when you just look at them passing types, like passes attempted from free kicks, pretty similar. Everything is pretty spot on. <laughs> There's not really that much um, of a difference. Um, so dribbles, let's look at that. Um, dribbles attempted 83. Odegaard did a little bit more than that, but from successful dribbles, 56 for Madison, 63 for Odegaard. I mean, they're not really that far off, you know, in terms of what they could add, you know, in my opinion, goals are pretty much the same. They play in the similar part of the pitch. Um, shots on target. Madison had 18. Odegaard had 17. Um, I mean, Madison does take more shots. He takes about seven, he took 74 shots last season and Odegaard took 50. So Madison to me seems a little bit more like he wants to score goals, whereas Odegaard is more of the assister. But again, their numbers are pretty spot on. Like there's not much between them, you know, um, past completion percentage. James Madison is at 76%. Martin Odegaard is at 80, you know, so they're, fairly similar, which is, which is good, you know? So when we're looking at comps and we want to see if players, if it makes sense, it does. If Odegaard was really our number one target, which is what people were saying, you know? So now what I want to show is just um, Madison alone in his, on his stats and see what he's good at. So here, what we can, we can kind of see is, he's pretty high in the percentiles for like non-penalty goals in comparison to attacking midfielders and wingers, right? Shot total 96 percentile. So he likes to take a lot of shots. Um, 82nd percentile in assists, um, expected assists, 80, 84% shot creating actions, which is important per 90. He creates um, 4.86 shots shot creating actions and that's in the 85th percentile so that's pretty high production right and then passes attempted 86 percentile so really his attacking numbers are really really good up there with the best of the best progressive passes 85th 85th percentile so um shots per 90 he takes at least three shots which is something that i think for arsenal fans were like can you please shoot you know can you shoot and he does that so that's 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 good that's a that's a good sign so that's what I wanted to show there. So, yeah, I think his attacking numbers are really good. Obviously, we can see that he's not really that great defensively. But if you play with a 10, which it seems like we would be if we were looking at James Madison, then you would need two really protective midfielders in behind. And that's where Thomas Party slash up would come in. Right. So I like that. I like that about him. Now, I also want to show you guys just so we can kind of talk about the deal and we can also talk about the player in general. All right. 
so Madison had a kind of up and down season last season. I don't really think that he was at his best. I think he was injured quite a bit. That being said, that being said, still 2020, 2021, eight goals in the Premier League and seven assists. Eight goals and seven assists. Like altogether in 42 appearances, he had 11 goals and 10 assists. That's very high productive high production for a player that didn't play as much as he usually plays. Right. So I like those numbers. I like those numbers a lot. Like just think about how different our season would be if we had a 10 that could score eight goals and get a seven assists. That's really good. And I also had looked at something else as well. Um, actually I didn't show it on the thing, but his expected assists were, were higher than the assists that he actually got. So I think it was like his expected assist was like 7.4 and he only got three, which basically tells you that maybe his team wasn't as clinical as they should have been. So he could have actually gotten more, which is really, really good. And for a team that's like dying for creativity, dying for goals, dying for somebody to take the reins, I think, that makes a lot of sense to me versus like an Odegaard who is more of a more of an Ozo. We need somebody to, to take the reins and that actually will score goals as well. So what I, so, okay, let me go back. Cause I have so many tabs open. So that's, that's pretty much the player, right? We can also kind of look at his, his injury record because I think that's something that we do have to kind of look at as well is because a lot of Arsenal fans are really sensitive about injuries, which makes sense when you have the history that we do. We have Tierney right now who we're worried about. We're putting a lot of minutes into Bakayo Saka's legs. We have people like Diaby and Jack Wilshere and even Ramsey that you can add to that list of players that never really hit the heights that they could have because they were so injury prone. So when you look at somebody like um, James Madison, who also has had quite a bit of injuries, you can see that it's a it's a repetitive knee injury that has kept him out for this particular season. And then he adds a hamstring issue, a hip injury. So these are kind of like random knocks, but we don't see like a lot of repetitive muscle tissue injuries, which is what I've been told is what to look at, you know, if you're if you're afraid of a, a player that has injuries. So that's not really something that um would would frighten me i just think we'd have to make sure that we we take it into consideration we can't just ignore it right and that's where like somebody like an emil smith row really comes in because we would be able to have really good rotation it wouldn't be like um him playing every single game we could actually rotate the two of them right so i also wanted to just kind of talk about his profile in general like where he is in his career so we know that he played at Coventry, he played at Norwich, and now he's at Leicester. And so his contract expires June 30th, 2024. So he does have some years left. I, I remember when he signed his new deal. Um, for, Le for Leicester, you know, I think they'll always kind of, their model is as a selling club. So I don't think they'll ever do what's necessary to actually really compete with the Man Cities and Chelsea's, but they'll always sell buy low and sell high. So the current market value of James Madison is 60 million. So we're talking about a lot of change, like that a lot of coins need to be um, passed over for this player. And even though he had maybe not the best season, like 
which I still think statistically he had a pretty good season. I still think that it's going to take 50 plus to get this guy. I don't think we're going to be able to offer 40 and get away with it unless Lester's just feeling nice. I think 50 million at the very least will get um, James Madison in the door, right? So he's 24 years old, which we've already kind of talked about is that good age that we're looking for. Um, you know, for me, when we were, you know, kind of talking about the Rodrigo DePauls and these types of players, like, although they're good players, and I know we need players that are older than our younger players, like 1920, I think we need to stay away from the 27, 28 year olds. I think 24 years old it, with enough experience is good, good enough. Like it's good enough, right? We don't actually need to bring in like 28 year olds to be having experience. Right. And, you know, he's been at Leicester since 2019. So that's two seasons of, of good experience in the Premier League. And he's done it. He's done it for a team that's been playing really well. Like it's not like he would need to show that he can get up to this level at Arsenal. He he's already shown it. So, right. His contract expires in 2024. Um, and he just extended last summer, you know, so that's uh, just months ago, like nine months ago. So that's something that we need to take into consideration. But overall, you know, I think he's been he's a really good player and he comps really well for Odegaard, which makes a lot of sense. Um, again, those other ones really didn't make a lot of sense based on the um, didn't really make a lot of sense because they weren't the similar profile. But this one really does. And Elliot's here. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. Hey, Elliot. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Sorry for, you know, not being available at the time I was supposed to be available, but I am available now and I'm here, as you can see. So there you go. Perfection. You guys in the chat box say hello to Elliot. He's here. We don't have a video for you. We don't have an Elliot. Elliot video. Oh, I'm, I'm I, have the Clive, I have the Clive video. So I can, we can just we can just run the Clive video. That's fine. Oh, my gosh. We really should have. OK, so we're talking about Madison right now. And I just kind of went over his his statistics and all that kind of stuff. And essentially what I was getting at was the fact that he comps really well with Odegaard. I think for the Bondia links, the Rod Rodrigo DePaul links, they didn't really make sense because they weren't similar to Odegaard, who we kind of thought was our number one target. Madison does that. What do you think of the links to to Madison at this point? Like we've said, I've already kind of said that 50 million probably is what would take, you know, what it would take to to get this done. So what are your thoughts on it so far? I don't know why Lester would sell Madison to us right now. It just seems like a thing that won't happen. I, I guess I can't understand, you know, for their project and for what they're doing, I don't know why they'd want to do that. I mean, again, they've gotten where they have by selling intelligently and, and buying intelligently, which are two things that would be super cool if Arsenal started doing them. But he's he's relatively young still. I think that they could probably get a little more money in a couple of seasons when the COVID thing shakes out. Now, to be fair, the only people that have any money to spend are Premier League teams right now. And I don't know why Madison would be pushing to join Arsenal right now, right? Normally you'd say, well, he's at Leicester, Arsenal's a bigger club, that's why he wants to move. I guess we can offer bigger wages, but I would think that for Madison, it might be a good wait and see opportunity. I'll stick it out at Leicester. You know, I'm, I'm gonna be playing European football, which I won't get at Arsenal, as scary as that is, and then see who's in for me next season. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like Madison. Don't get me wrong. I think he makes us better. I'm starting to come around just to the idea that like, first of all, I wanted Buendia. I think it sucks that we didn't go for him and we put all our eggs in the Odegaard basket and it already looks like that basket has a massive hole in it. So that's not great. But I'm starting to come around to the idea that between Smithrow, Saka, Martinelli, Pepe, Aubameyang, 
Willian, if we can't get rid of him, and Lacazette, if we can't sell him, mm-hmm. that's your front four. Go buy two world-class central midfielders and a great right back, and that can be your business this year and see how it goes because we only have the Premier League. So I get that you're riding a little bit on the luck of, of Smith-Rowe staying fit, but he was such an indispensable part of when we were good last season. Lean into that. You have 38 games that matter, and I think what you could do, Jess, is then like see how that shakes out. And if, God forbid, you do wind up losing Smith-Rowe a little bit, all right, maybe you have to get flexible and let Saka play that role a little bit or, or come up with some solutions that you don't like quite as much. But it does seem weird to me to go spend big on Madison to play a position that Smith-Rowe already plays pretty well and then start to have players who aren't getting into the matchday squad. If we had Europe, if we had you know fixture congestion, I might feel a little differently. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that this is a fully formed idea yet, but I'm starting to lean into the idea that we could we could potentially skip that position altogether if the right option isn't there. I, I see that too, like that for me, the camp position is a little bit less of a priority because like you've already said, we have good players that can kind of play across that three, but the central midfield is what we really need to get right. And I see a lot of in the comment section, I, I get it. It's like, why would Madison leave? Why would he take a step down? All that kind of stuff. But there are there are questions about his his relationship right now with the club. I know that he re-signed or he got a new deal with Lester last season, but he didn't just not play because he was injured. He was like strategically not picked for certain reasons. And I think some of that may have to do with an attitude issue or maybe what he does off the pitch, which are things that may make him a little bit more gettable for us, but for a team that's going through like attitude issues, maybe players not being um, the best, you know, off the pitch. That's not really a maybe somebody that we need to be bringing in at the moment, you know. Mm. I, you know me. I hate the soft factors. Give me all the jerks. Give me all the prima donnas. Those guys tend to be pretty good at football. Like if you want to have Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo or Neymar or Mbappe, like I'm sorry, you can't just play all the nice kids. And I, I got to tell you, I don't want – a coach, and if Mikel Arteta is this guy, then he can get out as far as I'm concerned. I don't want a coach who thinks the job is just to coach the nice boys. I don't Mm. want a coach who thinks the job is, if you can't get on board with my program and fall completely in line, then you're out of here. I don't want that because you can't build a super team that way. Certainly not from mid-table. All right, if you're Pep Guardiola having won everything and you have a quarter of a billion to spend every summer and you've won everything, except the Champions League recently, um... Maybe you can afford to freeze out the Leroy Sanes of the world because what do you care? But I am sorry. Part of the job is managing the egos. That's part of it. And if you ever want to have the great players at your club and you want them to stick around, you have to show that you can manage them a little differently than just everyone get on the boat and row in the same direction and be good team players. So screw that. I'm sorry, Mikel. And I'm not saying he can't do this, by the way. That's not my point. But my point is, if your only thing is I only want to coach the guys who are good, hardworking, nice boys who are, are are fun to have in the dressing room, well, you can go do that somewhere else because you're never going to build a, a big club squad that way, in my view. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with that. I think he needs to be able to deal with the players with rough edges. You know, they can't always be perfect like Saka. You know, we know that he's probably shining light, you know, does all the right things, but not every player is going to be that. But in just in terms of Madison, I think, you know, besides the fact that nobody thinks we're going to get him just as a concept, I think for me personally, I think we need a player like this. We need 
a Bruno Fernandez-esque type of person to come in because I don't think Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka have the assist and goals in them that would be required to you get know a who does is, is uh, Emmy Buendia. He, he seems like a guy we should look at. I don't even know who that is. I've yeah, never heard of him in my whole entire probably, life. Probably best to, yeah, use use the uh, Men in Black neuralizer on ourselves about Emmy Buendia and just move on. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, even even in Madison's not so great season, he had like eight goals and seven assists. You know, think about how different the Arsenal team would be if you had somebody who could not only get a bombing the ball, but could actually score goals as well, which is something that we didn't really see from Odegaard. I know he scored a couple goals, but that's not really his zone of genius. And Madison takes a lot of shots. So as a concept for me, it's the right type of player to go for. But in terms of like, are we going to be spending 50 million? Like, wow, that's that's a lot of money on this player. Even though Chris Wheatley did say in a Twitter spaces that he believes that there's a chance that we would spend 40 million ish on two players. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was like, you know, a Ben White and a Madison, you know, that type. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm going to just say, I don't know if you've covered it extensively, but like if we spend 40 or 50 million pounds on Ben Mad- uh, Ben Madison, on Ben White, like, ben Madison. <laughs> may- maybe count me out this season. Cause like, I-, I think there's a point we're reaching now where the club might be so dumb that it's just not worth hoping that they ever get it together. Oh my gosh. Like, like I don't, I'm, there's a part of me that's worried that this club is so dumb and so bad at this, that it's going to be years before we ever have any hope of building a team that can get out of mid table. Because like they've been handed a huge opportunity with Smithrow and Saka and Martinelli. Those are young players that could be super elite. If you can't take that head start with our resources and build something coherent, like spending 40 million pounds on Ben White, are you out of your mind? What are we doing, Jess? Like it is it is a sickness. There is a sickness in our club, and I don't know if it's that there's no leadership or that there's no knowledge. And and let me stop for one second. These are rumors. And the danger of pinning your opinion to rumors is you can look really bad really quick because rumors often wind up being nonsense, total paper talk nonsense. Like the Aaron Ramsdale links, I'm just assuming they're nonsense because they must be because how could we be doing 20 million for Aaron Ramsdale? But like at some level, when you look at what we're linked with and where we want to spend the money, unless we pull a rabbit out of the hat and and we're really misdirecting people, it's a big, big concern. Now, again... All of this, and anybody watching who even pays attention to what I'm saying, please remember that I am I'm putting in the caveat that these are rumors, and rumors are often wrong and not worth investing your energy into. Um, but I just I don't know that I get a sense that this club understands how to build a winning squad, un- unless you know Stan suddenly is just going to turn into Sheikh Mansour and, and hand out money left and right, which I don't see happening. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Let's 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 just roll on into the Ben White thing. So. Arsenal supposedly have had a $40 million bid rejected by Brighton who are and were expected to go back in for him. That's from Darmish Sheth of Sky Sports. And so I'm looking, you know, at the player stats and to be quite honest, he's, he's not remarkably great defensively in my opinion. Like he's been dribbled past 40 times, you know, can, can I stop you. Who cares if he's good? That's not the point. Like, this is the thing I don't get. I want to say this to everyone who's like, Ben White is a good player. Who cares if Ben White is a good player? That doesn't raise our ceiling. So let me ask you something. If we go into next season with Saliba and Gabriel and Holding and Marie 
and then Chambers is like a fifth option. That's a serviceable group of center backs, including two young, very talented guys we spent a lot of money on who have a very high ceiling. Is Saliba a risk? Of course he is. You know who else is a risk? Every player you sign ever. Is Ben White guaranteed to come in and be Virgil van Dyke? Not remotely. And oh, by the way, we, we signed Willian last summer because supposedly proven Premier League experience is reliable. Well, that wasn't reliable either. And this is the point. The $40 million you spend on Ben White is $40 million you can't spend somewhere else. So let's say you bring in Ben White, and it turns out he's really good. He's better than Saliba could be. But as a result of signing him, you can't go get a central midfielder. Let me ask you something. The difference between what you think Saliba could do and what Ben White could do with no extra midfielder, do we become a top-four team just by going from Saliba to Ben White? Of course not. But do we become a top-four team trusting Saliba's talent and rolling those dice, but having a really exceptional elite central midfielder come in next to Thomas Party, that does move the needle. So, but there's no guarantee that you really think, well, maybe you do think they're this stupid. That I do, yep. it, mm-hmm. That they will buy the, the center back and not buy the central midfielder. Uh, look, Even well, though we're going to you. sell Guendouzi, we're going to sell Xhaka, clearly you're going to have to replace where Lakanga looks like it's getting done. Like, there, there's no, I mean, you wouldn't spend $50 million on a center back if you're not going to get the center midfielder. You know what I mean? Let me ask you this. Would you rather have $50 million that you could pour into an attacking midfielder, a central midfielder, a right back, and or just have it spent on center back and it can't go somewhere else? My point is, if you said to me, if you said, Elliot, it's football manager, you're in charge of Arsenal right now, my God, scary thought. But And I've got... A, a, a pile of money that I can spend. And you say, take $50 million out of that pile and use it on a center back. I'd say, absolutely not. I'm going to roll the dice with the core of center backs I have. Defense wasn't our problem last season. And oh, by the way, we started games with Mustafi last season. We started games with David Luiz. He lost for us. Sure, he was good at times, but he lost his games. And all I keep hearing is what we really need in a right-sided center back is a passer. You know what Saliba's elite skill is? Distribution. He was one of the top three passers in league on full stop. So I just say to the people who are like, well, he's a risk. He's young. He is a risk. They're all a risk. We spent 25, 30 million pounds to get him. We loaned him back out for two years. Every place he's been, he's met the standards or exceeded the standards. At some point you trust them or you don't. And the irony is the guy who basically saved our season last season in the Chelsea game was an untested 20-year-old in Smith Row. Our player of the season was a relatively untested 19-year-old in Saka. But suddenly we can't trust a hugely rated, hugely talented center back we paid a lot of money to get, who, oh, by the way, his teammate went to Leicester and at 20 years old started every game and they finished in the European places. So give me that 50 million pounds and let me put it in. I mean, maybe instead of Lakanga, you get a a Camavinga because instead of having 40 million to spend, you've got 90 million to spend. Jess, that's the point. You have to think about the whole squad. Every player you buy is a player you can't buy. And buying Ben White for 50 million pounds, is he better than Saliba? Let's say he is. But it's not just that. It's what you can't do with that money by buying him. So this is a I long mean, rant. If, it if just it was up to me, to me, though, like, I get, I get that. On my notes, it says, this seems dumb. On my notes, it literally says, this seems dumb. But I'm thinking from just the perspective of, like, this looks like it's happening. So... That's why I'm like, okay, let's try to make it make sense. If we get Ben White and we don't get a midfielder, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be upset. But I'm coming from the perspective of like you literally cannot get this guy. 
and not get the midfielder, right? But just that fifty and million's coming out of somewhere. I, it's, it's, you know what I mean. It's, it's someone I, I better we can't buy, right? Because I, maybe you, unless they you feel think like, Stan's just really going to splash the cash, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know. But we know Arteta and his center backs. You, we know how he feels about them. But Ben White also something that we haven't spoken about also plays a position that we really, really need, which we so, haven't been. We, yeah, he plays right back. Why? Oh, oh, right. well, yeah, but we're not spending fifty million to shoehorn Ben White in the right. I mean, that's a Callum Chambers solution. Like, I, he, I, I would not be surprised. We haven't been alive. That's all right. We're right back. Then that's you know? just as dumb. If you're going to spend fifty million pounds to take a guy and not play him at the position that's like his, like, if we want a fifty million pound right back, Jess, there are right backs we can buy that are going to blow you away. You don't need to buy a, a Brighton center back and convert him to right back for fifty million pounds. So again, I just, you know, and by the way, I'm sorry. Like, I know I'm getting a little worked up about this. Like, it is it is early. These are rumors. I think what I'm saying is, and look, to be clear, if Stan says you can have 300 million pounds to spend this summer, sure, add Ben White to the center back court. What does it hurt? But like, we, I, I could pick a number of places that that 50 million could go further. Buy a set, buy a striker, to be the heir apparent to to Aubameyang in case Balogun doesn't reach that level and Martinelli proves to be a wide forward. Buy an extra central midfielder because if Elneny goes and Shaka goes and Ganduzi goes, I mean, you're really looking at party and, you know, doing the Will Smith gif of walking into the room and looking around for everybody, right? Um, buy a right back. Buy a backup left back if you've got money to burn. But for God's sakes, like, why are we just so reluctant to... Use the use the resources and the assets that we have in our squad. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm ready to take a deep breath, and and ultimately, I, I'm sort of prepared to say all of these rants will look dumb if the rumors are wrong and we get it right. It's a big summer, and we're looking for evidence that this team of people that run our club really get it. And the rumors don't indicate that to me, but they're just rumors. I acknowledge that. I think there's a lot of people that feel the way that you feel, to be honest. Like, I've seen a lot of people very upset about Ben White slash Madison, you know, slash Ramsdale, which is also like <laughs> an, another goalkeeper. I get that. I think I'm just a little bit more like wait and see, because if you tell me at the end of the window, we would have Madison, Basuma, Ben White, Lakanga, and a goalkeeper. I'd probably take that because to me, that's still better than Willian, Gabrielle, Party, whatever else we did last summer. Like we will have addressed some some things. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from because I flew off the handle so bad last last summer that I just don't have the energy to do it. I just need to wait and see. I really, really do. But with the Ben White thing, it seems like that's a player that we're really into, we're really interested in. And if he were to come in, I would hope that you know, he could add something to the squad. I just, if you tell me that we start with Saliba, Ben White, Marie and Gabrielle next season, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, it is what it is, but um, yeah. So you've already kind of answered my questions about, you know, how you're feeling about the process and things like that. I was going to ask you about, do you think that this is more promising? I don't think you feel that way. But in terms of the outgoings of Xhaka, Mavropanos, you know, Guendouzi, Eddie and Ketia, like these players that are seemingly on their way out, how do you feel about the quickness of our outgoings this season, you know, or this this summer? Isn't that better than windows past? You know, we're usually kind of sitting here like, are you going to freaking sell somebody or not? Who's gone? <laughs> 
They're going to leave, Elliot. Oh my gosh. Okay. Elliot, the sold? transfer window but, is taking you down. The, the, the window's who, who taking who you down. I'm just asking. You're saying, are you happy with how the outgoings have happened? Well, and I don't see any that have happened. So who's gone? They're progressing. They're progressing. Again, look, I, I will say that I'd be very happy if some of the players that we look like we're moving on get moved on for the fees that that are rumored. But um, yes, I I like what it seems like we're gonna do. Absolutely, I just think um, yeah, we we got to actually get those over the line. So you know, Enkedia has to be sold. Chaka has to be sold. Down Nenny ideally would be sold. Um, Why El Nenny? Why does he have to be sold? He's bad at football, I think, is probably the biggest reason. It would be my, my Elliot. Reason. He doesn't have to go. He has he to go. Um, oh my god! Well, let's put it this way: He doesn't have to go. He just doesn't have, like. He has no purpose being at the club. He's like tofu. He's just there occupying space. Um, oh man! Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I mean, I like. I, I think there's a lot to do in one summer, and what I probably need to accept, to your point, Jess, is that like. We can't sell all the players that are probably superfluous and we can't buy all the positions we need, which is sort of part of why I don't want to spend big on positions that would be way, way down the list. I saw someone in the comments say, well, what if we sell Mavropanos and Holding? Then how do you feel about Ben White? I mean, I guess there is a point that like, if we sell Holding and Mavropanos, and by the way, Mavropanos looks really, really good, but he can't stay fit. So I can understand if we want to move on from that. Then, yeah, I'm I'm kind of cool with maybe adding in another right-sided center back. I just think 50 million is such a big expense. You better be getting a star. And I think we may already have a star in the guy that we spent 30 million on when he was a teenager. So, so yeah, is I it just I'm, about Saliba? Like, is that the anxiety? Like, take Saliba out of it and it's just, mm -hmm. if that's Mavropano sitting there waiting, is it, is, is it the same? Is it more about Saliba? Because my only anxiety about Ben White is not about the player at all because I think he's a good player. It's about being inconclusive or not sure about the future of Saliba. Like if Saliba's there that, plus I'd, Ben White, I'm not upset. It Again, it's, it would sort of be like saying, what if we go linked with a really, really elite right winger? I mean, we don't need that. So don't buy that. You know what? I, like, it, like Saka and Pepe already, you know, kind of could potentially block each other a little bit. And Martinelli's going to be on the bench most games next season. All of this is a risk, right? So, like having good players is never bad, but if you have limited resources and limited playing time, you have to make choices about where you want to deploy those resources, right? So like, mm -hmm. it, it's not that um, I'm saying having an elite right winger wouldn't be fun. Like Raheem Sterling was a guy we were linked with and Raheem Sterling's a guy you probably break all the rules for because he's that elite. But like, do we, is Raheem Sterling the right piece to add at this point in our process at that, at what he would cost, you know? it'd be really exciting. And then you'd be saying, wow, I can't believe Saka hasn't started in seven games or Pepe's been on the bench all season. And suddenly like you say, could we have used that 70 million better? And that's how I feel about Ben White. I think he's a perfectly fine player. I'm not sure he's a 50 million pound player. I think we have four center backs. Most clubs don't have four elite center backs. They've got two starters and a couple of viable backups. And I think that's what we have. And I'd be fine with that. And then, you know, I, I want to clear, clarify one thing with the Elneny take, because I know people get really frustrated about this. Like, Elneny divides opinion because I think there are people that, you know, he runs hard, he works hard, he's a, he's a good guy, he's a fine guy. But like, at 27 years old, we loaned him out. We had no use for him, okay? I mean, he is a player that we have 
used, and we've seen what he is. He's a keep the ball, give it back to the defense. He's one of the most negative passers in the league, one of the safest passers in the league. He doesn't turn the ball over, fine, but like, I just think a player who gets the ball and gives it to a central defender is not someone for what we need to do to get better at attack, to dominate games in the final third more often. Like he's he's literally basically one of the worst when it comes to final third entries, progressive passing. I don't dislike him as a person. Like he's hardworking. He seems like a great guy in the dressing room. I just think, you know, he's getting into his late 20s. We already had loaned him out at, at 27 and I don't know the role he plays that helps us be a better team. If we had more competitions, you say, okay, you know, throw him out in the Europa League where he really looks like that's his level. I don't think it's bad if we keep El Nenny. I'm probably going too big on that. I just think he's the kind of player who is emblematic of why we're eighth. Because when he steps into your squad, he's not taking your level up. You know, you're not you're not playing El Nenny against Sheffield United in a league game and saying, you know, he's going to go progress the ball and and create chances and and dominate the game. So I just, I think in general, he's kind of emblematic of that, that more mid-table level that we've all just gotten pretty comfortable accepting. Yeah, I guess I just, if he sits on the bench, like a lot of teams have this guy that just is still there that's not really going to play. For me, it's like, remove Jaka, try to move on Guendouzi and these types. If you get to El Nene, you get to him. And um, Shakar, thank you so much for your super chat. Elliot did um, mention it, you know, about selling holding and, and Mavropanos. Would that make you feel differently about um, Ben White? We have another super chat here from Usopp. Usopp says, why do everyone say that we, we need to start acting like a big club and we start doing what big clubs do, which is buy players the manager wants. We complain about it. I don't think that's what big clubs do. I just don't. I, I mean, I think that's what bad clubs do, is they say to the manager, who do you want the manager picks? Your manager should not be the guy who picks the players. I mean, that is an outdated approach. It is now pretty much par for the course at the well-run clubs that there is a transfer committee of people who scout them, who use analytics, who find targets. And maybe the Ooh. manager says, I need a strong, I need, I need a a big engine right-sided midfielder who's good at progressing the ball. And the transfer committee comes back and says, here are the players that fit that profile. Is there one of these that you happen to like? These are the ones we recommend for you. And they work collaboratively. And I think that that's how good clubs do it. The idea that, you know, a, a coach in his very first job in his early 30s should be able to just dictate which player we pick, not having any experience running a club and start spending 50 on this guy and 70 on that guy and 30 on this guy and handing out the wages and he should just get the final say. Why should Mikel Arteta get the final say on players? Like he doesn't have the track record of knowing how to do that. So I don't think that's what a big club does. I think that's how you wind up in trouble when you turn your young coach into basically the king of the club and let him just pick and choose the talent he wants. I think that's dangerous, especially considering... What if we get off to a bad start and he's sacked in December? Then how are we going to feel that Mikel Arteta just got to pick the players he wants? I don't I don't know that we want to be that kind of club, personally. I mean, I do think that the bigger clubs don't not bring in a good player because they already have a young player in that position. I, I, I don't really view that as not a big club mentality. We know Man City, Chelsea, Manchester United have multiple good players in one position we're not in their position now but not it's economically kind of, either we not economically but we don't know we don't know what money we have like we're assuming we know we don't have city or chelsea money right jess i mean that but we know that 
we're probably more on par with Manchester United, and that's not going to stop them from bringing in Trippier when wow. they have Aaron Wambasaka. I mean, they they make three times the money we. I, I I guess it's just like we have a different sense of what is realistic economically, and I we don't know. You're absolutely right, especially in a COVID market. It's really whatever Stan wants to do. And to to Usopp's you know follow up question: Are you saying that Pep and Klopp have no say in who they get? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that they don't say this is the player I want. Go buy him. Certainly not at Liverpool. Anyway, we know that's just not how Liverpool operate. They don't let their coach just pick the players. Pep might get two more. Because the thing, you know what the money does, Jess? The money doesn't just get you good players. The money makes it so that mistakes don't kill you. Mm-hmm. If City buy a player for $70 million and he flops, it's fine. It doesn't hurt them. You know, we, we can't afford to buy a player for huge money and have it not work out. You know, the thing that I think is weird is we have finished eighth. Two seasons in a row. Arsenal Football Club, eighth with the fourth or fifth highest wage bill. And yet there are some people that are not prepared to say any mistakes were made or that any error of resource allocation was made. And I guess I would ask those people, like, we didn't finish eighth by accident. It's not just, oh, there was an injury or the coach was learning. A a club with the fourth or fifth highest wage bill finishes eighth in consecutive seasons because they've spent the money poorly. Like, that's how I see it. And so I just think looking beyond the way we waste resources, to me anyway, Jess, is, is a fool's errand because I can look at Liverpool or even Leicester to some extent and say, how can Liverpool win a Champions League and a Premier League with a budget that's basically what ours is, you know, similar kind of economic situation, and we can't see the very clear concept that having a more sensible approach to buying and selling is, is, how, is how you get there. That's all. Yeah, for sure. And Usopp, that was Elliot's response to to your super chat. Thank you so much for for putting that in. So before we get out of here, let's go ahead and look at the um, the fixtures for next season. Let's go ahead and look at those really quick. Let me just share my screen. All right, so we can see that here. So what I kind of wanted to do was look at kind of like the first six games, we'll do that towards the end. But I wanted to look at the AFCON dates are between January 9th and February 6th, which I was really worried about. We'll obviously have big players out like Thomas Hardy and Pepe and Aubameyang and El Nenny will be out as well. So I wanted to look at that and that was really important for me to kind of see. And, you know, from here, it doesn't look that bad. It's January 9th through February 6th. And during that time, we'll play Tottenham, Burnley and Wolves. You know, so unless somebody comes back and they're in really bad shape or they go really far in the tournament, it looks like we may have dodged a bullet there. What do you think, Elliot? Yeah, I, I just want to answer one thing real quick in the chat because Molly, uh, I think, the, yeah, Molly says we should be fans more and accountants less. And and I really want to make this point real quick before I just touch on the fixtures, Jess, if you don't mind, which is just, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Like, I want to be clear, if you're not someone who likes the squad building side of it and the these resources could go there and resource allocation, like you're allergic to that kind of discussion. I absolutely get it. It's not our job as fans to spend the money, to allocate the resources, to get it right. And if you just want to see fun players come to Arsenal and that's, you know, and you don't, it's not your job to be the accountant. That is absolutely cool with me, by the way, Jess. Like, I don't think anyone has to do it the way I do it or engage with it the way I engage with it. I happen to, that's weird. Where'd my camera go? Wait, do you still hear me? Or did you just... Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, we just lost your camera. 
Silly camera. Well, you know what we'll do? We'll just switch cameras. How about that? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just think, haha, watch this. Boom. No? No, you're there. still gone. <laughs> oh, that's silly. Anyway, um, I will just talk for a minute and then I will fix it when I stop talking, which is just, as fans, we can do, we can do being a fan however it is best for us. And that is, oh, yeah, there we go. I'm back, but I hate that camera. So let's fix that camera. We can do, <laughs> we can do being a fan whichever way we most enjoy. And the way I most enjoy is to really get into the weeds and think about this stuff that way. But that doesn't mean it's right. So uh, to your point about the fixtures, in January, Jess, the only thing I would worry about like is you don't know with the AFCON, like how far they'll go in the tournament, but also, you know, what can happen during that time. I mean, international tournaments are taxing as it is. You know, there have been situations in the past with the African Cup of Nations where we've had players come back and not be able to play for, you know, literally months. Um, I think Colo Torre missed a whole season once. Uh, obviously, Aubameyang got malaria on his last trip. So I, I think you you look at the schedule and you say, I, I'd love not to have to go to Tottenham diminished. That'd be nice. You know, there's only 38 games for us that matter next season, and the, the derbies are going to be probably the two most important ones in terms of caring about them and having the away derby played without our, our AFCON players, you know, without our African players. Like, that stinks, you know? Um, I think it's interesting. You know, one of the things you're looking at is, I don't know how solid Mikel's footing is, but so another thing you sort of look at, look at is, in a season where we don't have the midweek games to break it up and change, like, how fast a start can we get off to? And that August of Brentford away, Chelsea and Manchester City, like that looks tough because Brentford, you, you should win that, but it's tricky. But if God forbid that goes wrong, you then have two games where we, you know, we'll be the underdog in both of them. And, you know, again, with no midweek to be like, oh, well, at least we beat up this European minnow we can feel good about. It's really hard to turn the tide of emotion back positive, I think. So I look at that August and I say, beating Brentford is absolutely a must because you'd at least anticipate we're going to struggle in those next two games and you don't want to be on zero points you know with people spending you know weeks because then I think there's also an international date yeah so you don't want to go into the interna international date after Manchester City bottom of the table zero points and everybody pointing at Mikel Arteta you know yeah for sure I mean it looks kind of similar the beginning of the season looks pretty similar to last season in my opinion you have a team that's being promoted obviously we had West Ham you know, before we played the big guys, but pretty similar, you know, we had Liverpool and Man City pretty early on last season and we have Chelsea and Man City early on in this season. So um, we have to get off to, you know, a good start. We, we always should be looking to do that. And I look at the fact that some of these teams, Chelsea and Man City in particular, Manchester United will have a lot of players out from the Euros. You know, if they go far deep into that competition, they may be a little bit unsettled. So that's really the only thing I'm looking at that would give us a little bit of an edge, but ultimately with the preseason and a decent transfer window, we should be beating Brent Brentford and Norwich and Burnley. And then we'll just, you know, see what we can do against Chelsea and Manchester city. I, I don't really have like, um, I think I've, I want us to beat the smaller teams. I actually don't care about the bigger teams as much as I used to. Um, that whole, we don't compete with them. I think we got our wires crossed. We need to actually be able to beat the Burnleys in two times, you know, both times, you know, so those don't really bother me that much. But then once you get past January, I think it's good. You know, it's good at past them because we've already played Chelsea twice, I think, by that time. 
by February, we will have played Manchester City twice. And then it kind of looks like the the fixtures are a little bit more likable, you know, going to after like January. So for you, like, can we just kind of maybe guess on our first six fixtures? You know, how many points do we think we're going to get from those first six? What do you think? Um, let me see. Um, I'm going to go with, we beat Brentford, Norwich and Burnley. So that's nine plus a draw against Tottenham and, and Chelsea. And we lose to Manchester city. So that's 11. I think we'll get 11 points. Fantastic start. Um, I think we will get, I think we will draw Brentford, lose to Chelsea, lose to city, beat Norwich, beat Burnley, draw Tottenham. So three, six. Mm, three, six. What did I say? Beat Tottenham. I gotta yeah, say I... we're gonna beat Tottenham. So let's say three, six, nine. I, I have us getting ten. How about that? Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, I just can't. I think we'll be better than we are than we than we were last season. I just that's just what I think. So I think we'll be okay. You know, I, think I don't it's think it's hard to know, right? Because like these seasons that come off European tournaments, what players are available right away, right? Like, I mean, Saka is probably not going to play a lot in, in the Euros, so he he should be available. But like, we should have Pepe, we should have Obo, we should have Smith Rowe, um, Martinelli. I think the thing that's really hard, Jess, is if I have any reason to be like super excited about next season and and my optimism, my optimism comes from the fact that Martinelli, Saka, Smith Rowe. I think they're all legitimate stars in the making. And like they could be a little better than they were this past season, but they could also be a lot better. Like young players, sometimes it just clicks, right? And they go from like pretty good to out of this world. It happened with like Raheem Sterling. And like I think there's a chance, Jess, that if if we have a big, big season upcoming, it comes from the fact that those young players take a bit of a leap and maybe we get a season from Oba that's a little more like what we what we hope for. I mean, I I realize he's he's not getting any younger. But we're going to need him to look a little bit more like the Oba we know than the Oba we had this season. But I, I don't think those are things you can rule out. And like, all it would take is is for Smith Rowe or Sacker or Martinelli or a combination of a couple of them to take another leap forward in their development, and we we could look really good just based on that alone. You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do think that they will be better than they were this past season, especially if they get um, some playing time. I just my biggest fear is just you know where the goal is going to come from. Where the assist going to come from? I think Zach and ESR, as good as they are, they they're not ready. And I would like to see us maybe lean a little bit more on Pepe, give him more of that responsibility, and get a rotational ten in there. You know, with with Emil Smith Rowe and not put so much pressure on him. I think if we get the summer right, we'll be better. You know, I did, and I I think there's a really good point that somebody made. I I can't really. Oh, I see. It's like. I do believe that Arteta knows what talent looks like. I think the players that he's identified have been right. Um, whether we like how much we pay for them is is not, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I tend to like squad building conversations just like you, Elliot. Um, but because I know, like, I feel like these are actually concrete rumors, I start thinking in terms of that, whether or not I think it's smart. Like, obviously, James Madison for the amount it would cost. I think you could probably find somebody a little bit cheaper, you know, and be on your way. Ben White as well. Like, do we really need a center back? But for me, when I look at them, if they were to arrive at the Arsenal, like at London Colony, and we got Basuma as well, I would 
you know, I'd be fine with that. I would say that we addressed a lot of our issues, you know, but that's just me. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and end it there. You guys, I told you that later on, probably, let's say, I don't know, 10 p.m. UK time, I want to do a longer video on Lakanga because I think that's a really mm. interesting profile that we watch got. that. Yeah. Because yeah, um, he looks like quite the player. So we'll do a little bit of a longer profile on that. And um, yeah, make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel and make sure that you guys are also um, following Arsenal Vision. It's Arsenal V, right? Arsenal, Arsenal V podcast. But you can just go to ArsenalVisionPodcast.com and all this yep. stuff is there. And yeah, I mean, uh, it's not just me being hysterical. There's actually a lot of good stuff contributed by Paul, Clive, Tim, and Scott that uh, drowns out my hysterical misery. I, I'm actually super excited for the upcoming season because I love our young players. And if there's ever a reason to love Arsenal right now, love Saka, love Smith Rowe, love Martinelli, love Kieran Tierney. I mean, there's there's some fun time. Thomas Party, you know, if he can stay fit. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't want anyone to think just that my my only take here is that everything Arsenal is bad. I don't think that remotely. I actually think the best things about Arsenal are the young players who I love watching. The worst things about Arsenal, I think, are the people running the club. But you know. We can't control that. So just enjoy watching those great young players. Yeah, for sure. Make sure you guys are, and I'm a patron of Arsenal Vision. So too kind. I love it. So if you guys want to be a patron, you guys should go sign up. I'm a fan of your work, as you know, Jess. Oh, Big thank, thank you so much. And I'll, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, y'all. Thank <laughs> you.